in university, uh, I wrote a screenplay and ended up winning the David Letterman scholarship, which helped, you know, pay for my university. And I really just come back to even in the roles I've held in sales. I mean, sales is really listening to stories and great storytelling at its core and customer experience is the same way. And I think so much of what makes up the fabric of our company cultures and our community cultures and our societies as a whole are our stories and what's at the heart of our human emotion. And for me, as I've reflected on that, that's what gets me excited. And in fact, that's how you and I met each other was you sharing your story. And I think there's authentic connection and a sense of belonging that happens in a very deep and meaningful way when we share our stories with each other. You are listening to the Payal Nanjiani Leadership Podcast, the number one podcast in the world for leaders who want to be the best. Each episode is designed to help you recognize and overcome your leadership challenges and achieve great success at your work. This episode is brought to you by your host, Payal Nanjiani, a world-renowned leadership expert, executive coach, and author known for her leadership talks, corporate training, and executive coaching. To know more about Payal, visit her website, www.payalnanjiani.com. Hey, this is Payal Nanjiani, and welcome once again to the Payal Nanjiani Leadership Podcast. And I am so privileged to introduce our guest for today, who is Karen Manja, a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, Salesforce executive, and one of the most sought after thought leaders in the world. She is the Thinkers 360. Thinkers 360 has named her as the number nine on their list of global thought leaders and influencers on health and wellness number 12 for mental health and as one of the top 150 B2B thought leaders to follow. We are so privileged to have her today on this podcast. Karen, welcome to the Payal Nanjiani Leadership Podcast. Thanks so much. It's great to be part of your community. I have so been looking forward to our conversation. Oh, same here. And especially, you know, when you when we picked the topic uh, that you want that you're going to share today about success from anywhere, I think that's one of your book also, right? Yes, that's the title of my latest book that came out in December. And also, I think sums up how we're all feeling right now that we're discovering success isn't a destination or a location. It's available to anyone anywhere. And I think that's a shift in some of our long held beliefs. Absolutely. And especially in the pandemic, when, you know, people are actually working from anywhere, uh, you know, it does make sense that you should be able to get success anywhere. So the more we dive into the uh, topic, tell us a little bit about your backstory, Karen, because I know you have much more that you've achieved than what I just introduced you. (laughs) Well, when I think about and step back and consider, you know, some higher level themes that that transcend my career journey and things that I've always felt excited about that evoke a passion for me. One of my North stars is storytelling. I have always been drawn to reading stories and hearing and discovering people's stories and telling stories. And I was reminded recently of one of my favorite childhood memories of my beloved grandparents Mm -hmm. and 
they would take all of their grandchildren for one week every summer without our parents, which of course was so much fun. And then the final weekend of our visit, our parents would all come and pick us up. And so I would spend the week writing a play and casting my cousins in it and running rehearsals and directing, you know, and starring it, of course, because I was the oldest. So it's hard to hard to cast all the spots. And, you know, I, I thought that forward. And when I was in university, uh, I wrote a screenplay and ended up winning the David Letterman Scholarship, which helped, you know, pay for my university. And I really just come back to even in the roles I've held in sales. I mean, sales is really listening to stories and great storytelling at its core and customer experience is the same way. And I think so much of what makes up the fabric of our company cultures and our community cultures and our societies as a whole are our stories and what's at the heart of our human emotion. And for me, as I've reflected on that, that's what gets me excited. And in fact, that's how you and I met each other was you sharing your story. And I think there's authentic connection and a sense of belonging that happens in a very deep and meaningful way when we share our stories with each other. Absolutely. I mean, that's so true, you know. Uh, And just before we were, uh, uh, as I was, you know, uh, listening to you, you also had mentioned previously that uh, uh, when your book is out here now, the pandemic has changed so much. So how has pandemic changed the view of success in the working world? You know, especially how is it relating to your book? Well, when I think about redefining success, what's interesting for me is how often we associate success with more. I mean, we all buy into the belief that we have to do more, to have more, to be more, and that will sum up to success. You know, whether that's more products, more profits, more activities or more accomplishments, you know, we equate success with this more mentality. And then along comes the great resignation and the great resignation or the great reshuffling or the great awakening, whatever you wish to label it. Mm -hmm. The message behind that headline is that we are all challenging this long held belief about success. And what we're discovering is the more that's being offered by organizations to their employees, even if that's more pay, more PTO and more perks is not summing up to success for employees. And that got me thinking, I mean, if it's not more of those things that have worked in the past, right? Usually in the past, if we offer people more pay or more perks yeah. or more PTO, right? They would say, this is great. I love it here. And that's oh, not yeah. working. Right. And that got me thinking like, well, more of what? Okay. And the core message of the book is really exploring the more of what, and and what shows up for me, what I've discovered is we're all looking for more of what matters. Mm. And we are no longer willing to settle for having more of what matters show up just in our life. We want more of what matters to show up in our work life as well. And that's what this book is about. This book is an invitation to freedom. It's an invitation to reconnect with what matters most to you and then give yourself permission to have that show up in your life and in your work life each day. Right. And, and just like you said, you know, um, uh, uh, pre-pandemic, 
people you would job hop when they would feel hey you know what this company is giving me much more than what i currently have and with just what you said the definition of more has changed that's one thing and the other thing is um uh, at least it's been our american culture that you know we're always looking for for doing more like you said and uh, i think that culture has somehow even spread to different parts of the world now in different continents i i see it happening so when you speak of doing more what exactly would would that entail like um uh, uh, you know we we still have majority of the people in the corporate world who want to achieve more and they and they and they feel that the more we do the more we going to feel satisfied the more fulfilled so how how would you explain that <laughs> i think about that concept of more in very simple terms and we were talking about my last name manja that means eat in italian and of course i was raised with a very strong food orientation and love and then for fun i attended culinary school so i'm also a professionally trained chef and here's wow. what amazes me i love to host people i love to cook for people it's certainly one of my love languages and i delight in spending hours you know planning a meal and picturing an experience and i plan out the menu very specifically and at the end of every meal that i host i will always ask people what was your favorite food what was your favorite beverage what was your favorite food and beverage pairing and i can tell you 100% of the time people choose whatever the dish was that had the fewest ingredients that was the easiest uh, to make the simplest one and the, the simplest, the simplest but the most one. tastiest one the simplest one because you know what i think simplicity does for us it evokes a very strong feeling of nostalgia and nostalgia is the most powerful ingredient any chef or leader can inject into their organization right because nostalgia we so often equate that with a simpler happier time. And so what I think is very paradoxical is actually people who are high performance athletes and high performance leaders understand at its core that periods of maximum performance require periods of maximum rest. Mm -hmm. And so I think the balance that we're seeking right now whether that's you're an ambitious leader inside of an organization or a community or your family or your home mm -hmm. what we're looking for is to invest our best energy in more of the people and commitments that serve us and fewer of the obligations and people that no longer do which is why i think it's so critically important for us to all revisit and be crystal clear about how we define success now because if you and i and the people listening know what our individualized definition of success mm -hmm. is in any given moment we have more clarity about what to say yes to like what the more is that satisfying leads to that outcome we desire mm -hmm. and what to say no to because it takes us off the path toward how we're defining success and inherently how that success feels right and i think just saying that no is so difficult because you know uh, like like i'm coming back to what you said doing more because we want to do more we say we land up saying yes to everything so you know i think what you said is just so correct that if you you've got to know your individualized definition of success uh, otherwise uh, you know you're again going to land up on everyone's agenda so i think that's that's just so cool. and and even um 
before you know, uh, before when we were uh, before this podcast, while we were connecting, uh, Karen, we also spoke about the Great Resignation, right? Yeah. So, uh, what, what's what's behind that? What's behind the Great Resignation, and uh, what do you think employers and organizations should should actually do about it? And and are you seeing a lot of that happening, whether at Salesforce or anywhere else? This is the story of our time. And what we're trying to reconcile is the gap between what employees expect and what employers are willing to give. And, you know, if you think about that as a Venn diagram, there is an overlap and understanding what employees view as favorable and what they expect now starts with deep listening. I mean, Mm. for most people, the context of your work and your life have shifted to some degree. And therefore, because of these uncertain times, because of feeling an eminent sense of life being fragile, as people reconsider what matters, we're expecting something different from our leaders and from our organizations than we have in the past. And one of my favorite examples of an organization that was struggling with this and did some deep work and and is getting some things right that I think we can all learn from is General Mills. Now, General Mills, if you think about, you know, what was happening in their business during 2020, I mean, General Mills is the brand we were all patronizing at the store, buying up all the cereal and flour because we were all going to simultaneously compete on the Great British Baking Show, apparently, right? And if you think about that, I mean, those are essential workers and they... They were doing the right thing. The leaders were trying to listen to employees and they heard a message many of us are hearing right now, which is we are so burnt out. We don't feel well. Mm -hmm. The well-intentioned leaders of the organization offered the 10,000 employees of General Mills extra PTO. And they are shocked when fewer than 8% of their employees opt into this extra PTO and still continue to report extremely high degrees of burnout. So they decided to step away and get more curious. They did some deep employee listening to understand what are the use cases we are solving for now? What do people really want if it isn't this PTO? And they wisely engaged an organization that specializes in brain science, you know, understanding the brain science of burnout, the brain science of motivation. They came back in 2021 and rolled out what they called the gift of choice program. They said, you're burnt out. We hear you. That's why we're rolling out the gift of choice program. And within the gift of choice program, you are offered three choices. One, more PTO. Two, more pay. Three, donation to a not-for-profit of your choosing. Within 24 hours, 85% of their employees had opted into the gift of choice program. So they went from 8% opt-in to 85% opt-in. Do you want to guess what the number one choice was? Reminder, more pay or donation to a not-for-profit. What do you think the top choice was? I think it was the last one, the third one. The donation to the not-for-profit. Interestingly enough, it was more PTO. And here's why that story blows my mind. The employer got to the exact outcome that they were essentially mandating in the first program. The only thing that changed between the first program and the second program was the perception that you have a choice and therein ah, lies. The that's way. what I was going to ask you that, you know, in, in, in the earlier one also, they were giving the, giving the uh, more PTO, right? And then they clubbed it with the other two uh, choices. Yes. And they understood 
that the employees would view those choices as favorable and the employer was willing to offer them. And so what happened was they, they found that intersection between what employees expect and all, all, all humans on planet earth respond favorably when we are unexpectedly offered a set of choices that we view as favorable. It lights up all the great things in our brain that say, I'm happy, I'm content, I feel good here, I feel seen, I feel valued. And I think about what might change if we could offer choices based on what employers are willing to give and what employees expect in finding that intersection. Because the message of this great resignation is mm-hmm. employees saying, I want flexibility, autonomy, and choice. And mm-hmm. this is a beautiful example of the power of choice. Yes, absolutely. And flex- just as you said, flexibility. Um, I think, you know, right now, what the employees are looking for is, you know, somehow there has been a deep uh, introspection or a deep realization in everyone that it's really not about work, work, work. It's, it's not even about the balance. It's about really what's making me happy internally. So yes, and success comes from the inside out. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's why I, I know my, my, my first book was titled uh, Success is Within. Uh, because yes. that's exactly, you know, I, I so resonate with what you say. So uh, tell me, Karen, uh, you know, you're an executive at Salesforce. You are or you also write books, uh, you know, which uh, which are which are being uh, out there. What are some of the rituals that gets Karen going every day in a great mood, in a happy mood? <laughs> that's a great question. And in fact, coming into 2021, I changed my routines, rituals and boundaries to make room for more of what matters. And for me, that was self-care and also making sure I had ample time for create work, for high value work, right? If you're a thought leader, ideally you have some thoughts that you share and it takes time to create these original thoughts and ideas and do research. And so my morning routine, I get up at the same time every day and my alarm is a song that helps me feel motivated and happy. So the first sound I hear in the morning is a message of happiness and joy. So I feel excited to greet the day as opposed to that, like, or whatever uh, yeah, I mean, like a zombie like uh, leader, you know, who's, who has to wake up and get back to work. Wow. Okay. What else? Exactly. So music, uh-huh. and then I do mindfulness. So I do meditation each morning and then movement. Mm-hmm. So I do yoga or I take a walk and then I write in a journal and in my journal, it's, you know, a parking lot of thoughts and also a gratitude section and then my intention for the day, or you might think of it as one thing that I need to make that day fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I do my deep work task first. So if I'm writing a blog or a mm-hmm. chapter for a book, or maybe I'm recording a video to mm-hmm. share with people, I do that task next because I'm full of my best energy at that point. Oh, yeah. And I have taken things like email and responding to people on social media platforms that are related to work. And I've moved that to the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So I've associated create tasks with calm and sort of chaos tasks with the lower energy point at the end of the day. And it's amazing how you reprioritize, you know, email and reading these articles people send you and that kind of thing. And so for me, that was a shift. I used to start my day with the clean out the inbox and try to do the music mindfulness and movement. That's a big shift. It's a big shift. So I, I, I didn't add to my routine. I just took 
the end of the day and made it the first thing of the day and the first thing of the day and made it the end of the day. And it is, it's producing brilliant results. I feel present in the work I'm doing. And I also think, you know, when you start your day with some time for self-care, you send yourself a signal that you are the most important thing on your list. Oh, yes, absolutely. In fact, my morning routine is so non-negotiable, Karen. Um, uh, it, 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 uh, you know, it does include yoga and meditation, but I also like what, uh, how you wake up. You know, I usually wake up to that normal alarm uh, that I keep snoozing a couple of times. But when you said, oh, it's a song that just gets me onto my feet and wants to start the day, you know. So yeah, it, it, that, that's a wonderful way to, uh, to just get going the entire, and, and like you said, it just tells you, you are important, which I think is, um, uh, is, is, a, is a forgotten message in the corporate world. Well, and I find even starting the day with that uplifting song puts me in a mindset to make the most of the day. Wow, that's 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 absolutely great. And um, uh, you know, just going back into the uh, into the uh, corporate world again, how do you think the future will be for the workspace and the leaders now? When I think about the future of work, I break it down into a framework I call the four W's because I think it's overwhelming in a sense to have this just wide open landscape against a context where none of us have experience. I mean, I don't think any of our leaders presently have lived through a global pandemic to the best of my knowledge. And so I think about how do we take this future of work concept and break it down into these four W's. First of all, work. How has the work shifted in your team or organization? How is the work aligned with new outcomes that you're trying to deliver? And what is the work that we might still be holding on to that's no longer aligned with those outcomes? So the first W is work. The second W is workforce. Mm -hmm. Who is it that needs to be doing this work? You know, maybe it is a shift to some part-time workers or some temporary workers or a flex workforce, but who needs to be doing this work now? What new skills and training? Does that workforce need to be successful? And I think critically important, what are the highest aspirations of your new workforce? After work and workforce, I think about the third W, workplace. So where does this work need to happen? And when you are bringing people together, how do you commit to gathering with a purpose that you share? What work could be done asynchronously? You know, so where does this work need to happen and, and when does it need to happen? And then the fourth W is workflow. So what workflow tools, technologies do you need to put in place to support the shifts that you are making with your work, your workforce, and your workplace? Because the workflow of knowledge management is we stand up in the office and ask someone how to do something or where to find something is more challenging now. So what's the workflow that makes work, workforce, and workplace easier? Okay, so I think this is so well connected. Uh, is this something that you and everyone at Salesforce practices, or is this something a part of your book? And uh, how does this all? This is part of my book. Yes, this ah, is. Not, okay. I'll call it a Karen creation. Ah, yes. Yeah, okay. That's a, because it's wonderful. That's a Karen original. That's a Karen original. It's in the book, and in fact, uh, along with the book, I created a playbook an online playbook. And there's a series of 10 games that you can play as teams and organizations to help challenge some of your long held beliefs about work and to turn sort of work into play and use these activities as a way to 
plan for the future and to have some thoughtful conversations. So I thought about, you know, how to enable this as a, as a conversation and a resource that scales so that people have tools to look in the direction of getting their own results. Okay, but this is great, uh, Karen. Original work, workforce, workplace, workflow, uh, workflow, and it just uh, you know integrates so well one after the other. That's well, thank you. And sometimes, you know, when we have these big topics, I find that it helps to have some kind of an organizing framework, at least to have a discussion, mm -hmm. and. I used to think being a great leader was about showing up with a lot of answers or solutions to challenges. And what I'm discovering now is great leaders ask great questions. Oh, yeah. And what we're all trying to do right now is as opposed to getting a very narrow point of view, like there's only one path forward and one right choice. I think what we're trying to do is open up and expand our thinking and create a range of choices and things that we might be able to try together. and great ideas begin as great questions. And, you know, I think when we show up with all the answers, what, what happens is knowing gets in the way of discovering, you know, when we think we know, we shut ourselves down to discover what else might be possible. Yes. Yes. And, and there is that, and there are so many people who feel, okay, you know what, I, I just know it. I, I know, I know it all, you know, so I don't have to learn. But like you said, you've got to be a lifelong learner, and 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 that really comes with uh, a lot of practice. So um, uh, tell me, Karen. I know your time is um, very valuable, and and it's it's busy for you. Um, if when if we were to wrap this up with a question, what would be your advice to the people who want to succeed in the workplace? If everything is important, then nothing is important. Yeah. And if you're seeking to find more time on your calendar or more room in your life for what matters, I like to ask these three questions of myself and of my calendar and a bonus question as well. I think of them as challenge questions to really distill what's important and make sure I'm spending my best time and energy there. So those questions first, does it have to be? Mm -hmm. Second, does it have to be? me. Third, does it have to be me right now? And the bonus question, does it have to be a meeting? Oh, wow. I'm just, I'm just like, you know, uh, taking a little bit of notes while you're saying that, because this is wonderful. And I hope our audience is also taking down these notes, because, uh, you know, these are such lovely questions to ask yourself, which I think we don't do that. We, uh, we, we, we just have forgotten to talk to ourselves and ask ourselves these, uh, these wonderful questions. And I think that's, that's so great. Thank you so much, Karen, for your time in, uh, in just sharing all your lovely insights, your incredible insights, and for being a part of this podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. And I wish you and your listeners success your way. Yes, and success from anywhere. Yes, well said. <laughs> so thank you so much. Uh, this is for our audience. Uh, this is Karen Manja and Payal Nanjiani signing off, uh, wishing you loads of success in your career life and in whatever you do. God bless.